0: Organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book, you are in the right place. At the right
1: time to learn how to write your book. Hi, I'm Joyce Glass. And I'm Sherry Lynn Bisbono and welcome to the Right Hour Nonfiction Tips from the Right Coach Team. We are so glad you joined us today.
0: creatives welcome to season 10 of the right hour and this is episode 1001 this season we're doing something a little bit different you know you have at the end of the year usually your top 10 countdown or whatever for the songs or the 100 song best songs of the year well we're going to review some of the best podcasts we've had over the past nine seasons to help encourage you during this time as well as to help you with your writing journey. So have you struggled with fear and being creative during this time? I I will tell you I have. It's been hard to focus and hard to be creative because there's a lot of unknowns and things just going on and distractions and then um, I've had Um, My little dog became ill and died, and those of you on my email list know about that, and that was very hard. um, She was very special to me. I've had her for 14 years. So I've had a hard time focusing, but I've also used this time to refocus my business and figure out where I want to go with it and get it refined. And this is something that you can be doing with your writing as well. I want you to keep practicing writing. Keep focusing on what you can do right now. And if all you can do is write for 15 or 30 minutes a day and just see what you can get on the page, then do it. Now, obviously, if you have deadlines, you may need to do more than that. But if you don't, and it's just a matter of a project that you're working on, just do it. Just see what you can do and get it out there on the page. So, this week we're going to go over episode 503 with Omar Rufat, and he talks about what's holding you back from writing your book. Well, I want, I, this was so good to, to go through this again because he, it, what he talks about in this episode really is helpful for what a lot of us are going through right now. And one of the points that he makes that I love is mistakes are good for you. And there's a reason why we grow in our confidence when we make mistakes, we overcome them and we learn from them. And the more you learn, the better you become at whatever skill it is you're trying to do. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast, most likely you're a writer and you want that skill to grow. And so this is a powerful podcast that is going to help you with your mindset and with fe- overcoming fear and doubt and just really a, what every writer goes through. Because I've even heard from the most experienced writers like Jerry Jenkins and Stephen James and some, uh, Robert Degani, some other ones who, even after they've written many novels or nonfiction books, they will still struggle with the confidence issue because it's like, okay, this book was really good. Will my next book be as good? Can I keep it up? Will it, you know, really help people? There's all these things that come creeping in, and it's just a part of our human nature to struggle with this. And so I want you to really take this to heart enjoy listening to this episode again and each week we're going to release an episode or review an episode from the from the past They're not in order any kind of order. It's just the order that we decided to put them in there's no um, there's a little rhyme and reason but not much. So I hope that you enjoy this season and enjoy this refresher from Omar. I know for me, it's been a while since I listened to it because season five was a long time ago. And it will really help you with your mindset and just giving you that inspiration you need. So the Write Coach team is here for you. We are so glad that you listened to this podcast. And if you haven't already, we'd love for you to join us in the Write My Book Fiction group and Facebook We're doing some things uh, the next couple weeks, and we're introducing a five-day challenge. The challenge is going to start on May 18th, and it's a five-day writing challenge. So if you want to learn more about that, go into the Write My Book group on nonfiction. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, It's a Facebook group. It's complimentary to everybody. So we want you to join and you can find some great support there. And and then we also have something new coming up called the TWC Writing Club. And you'll learn more about that during the challenge as well as if you're on the email list. So if you want to learn more about the Writing Club, join us in the Facebook group and we can tell you more about it. Take care and I hope you have a beautiful day or evening whatever it is for you while you listen to this and we'll see you next time on the podcast hi it's great to be today with omar rafat is that how you say your last name
1: well done yeah very good
0: good i was i I did well i did not know i I was that close
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, hi Joyce, nice to be here thank you that was perfectly pronounced
0: awesome Well, I guess my learning, my phonetics really helped out in kindergarten. So, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm glad to have you here, Omar. Omar and I are in a group together and we have um, had little chats here and there about things. And I love his outlook um, on confidence and helping people. And I thought this would be a great topic for writers today. So thank you for being here. And I want us to hear a little bit about your journey because I don't know all of it and I'm sure it's interesting, but just tell us a little bit about how did you go from being a surgeon to what I call the mindset master or you call the hypnotist. So whichever way you want to put it, um, tell us a little bit about your journey.
1: Sure. So, I mean, I get asked about it all the time. Usually when you say to someone, oh, I used to be a surgeon the fact that you said, I used to, they, show, they sort of raise an eyebrow and think, hold on a minute. What? what, why did you change? And then you say, oh, I'm a hypnotist now. And then that really sort of destroys them because they don't know what to think. Uh, but the way that it happened really was I saw it as a natural progression. So I was in the healthcare world. I was working as a head and neck surgeon, which is a joint specialty between medicine and dentistry. Mm -hmm. and um it's basically it basically deals with trauma and cancer through a lot of the patients that i was seeing just the way that they were being managed the way that um we were sort of focusing on symptoms rather than focusing on the whole person just didn't sit right with me it wasn't the way that i thought it wasn't what i believed in and i just did not believe in that status quo so being i suppose the rebel i am i had to challenge it and um Yeah, I did just that. I started researching, started reading, understanding more about the mind and how it can completely transform everything. And uh, I then had my first experience of NLP and hypnosis myself. And once that happened, Joyce, Pandora's box was open. That was it. Um, I I could not go back uh, to what I was doing before. And I decided that I was going to go out on my own and start helping people to improve their lives to better their lives using mindset and emotional mastery because in essence that's what I found it all comes down to once you ma- once you master your emotions and um, you master your mindset you can achieve absolutely anything
0: definitely I and I agree it does take both to get you there and as I said before many writers struggle with that because there's this um, little inner demon that a lot of times going, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, who's going to listen to you, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I am curious though, tell me a little bit more about your experience. You said that kind of opened the Pandora's box. What, was there anything specific or was it just kind of the whole thing or, or what really happened there?
1: So for me, I think being conditioned initially as a surgeon, you have this, this sense of superiority, if you like, where you are trained to think that you are Superman, you know, and it has both its pros and its cons. And the, the pros obviously are is that you want to look out for your patients, you want to help and fix everyone. Um, but then I adopted this mentality in every aspect of my life. I was always the person who wanted to help and fix everyone, but I would never let anyone in. I would never ever acknowledge or admit that you know something was going on inside of me. And to many people that they would see this as arrogance. Um, but I think that if I'm gonna be completely honest about it, it was pure fear. You know, it was fear of facing my inner demons. It was fear of, you know, what if I'm not good enough? What if you know I don't deserve all the normal things right. that a lot of people really struggle with. As you said, you know, the writers themselves. And so I think the, the three biggest aspects that I worked on when I started learning about neurolinguistic programming and, and hypnosis, which are the tools that I use, um, so the three biggest aspects that I worked on was anger. I had a lot of suppressed anger. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never an angry person, but I just had this internal rage, you know, um, so that was the first thing. The second thing was a fear of judgment, I was always uh, conscious of putting myself out there, or you know, playing too big because people would say, or I, I thought in myself that people would think, well, you know, what makes you say this, or how are you so, you know, knowledgeable to talk about this? So there was this fear of judgment, which kept me playing small for a long, long time. And there was also, and this was quite a big one as well, um, a fear of being rejected. Mm-hmm because and we spoke about this earlier so so as as you're aware you know with the whole personality typing thing that we're doing w- what i believe is when you are your true self as it were then you, you can make magical things happen but, it, but it's very difficult to say that because we're conditioned to wear so many masks now my true self as it was is very in your face is very passionate it's very intense and you know will call bullshit when i see it um but i always thought or i was i was trained and conditioned to believe that that would be too much for a lot of people and that people would reject me or not accept me by by me being who i truly was and so for me that was that was really the biggest thing that i worked on
0: yeah great Well, that's definitely um, something we all have to work through is, you know, we have what I call our super powers too, that are magical when we can help someone else with them, but not always do we feel comfortable sharing them with them. Because I mean, I've had that happen before, you know, there's some things I'm really good at, but that doesn't mean everybody wants to know. know or everybody wants to hear it. I mean, they got to be in a place of acceptance. And if I just go charge it in and go, Hey, you need to do this, you know, depending on the person, they may or may not like that, you know? And I, and I've, I have had some people kind of like, okay, <laughs> you know, like just absolutely, I don't know if terrified is the word, but um intimidated maybe would be the word. And it, it, at, I can be, I can be the same way. I can come on too strong. And and it's not because I think I'm better. I'm just, I'm passionate and I'm raring to go. And I, if I see something, Oh, I can help you. You know, not everybody wants to learn that. So, you know, with maturity, I've learned to, okay, let's see if they're ready for this. If they want to hear this or ask, Hey, would you be interested in knowing how you, that I can help you with that or what that what you can do, you know, whatever, you know, instead of charging in with guns blazing, <laughs> going, I can help.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're much wiser than, than I am Joyce, because I, I still do not have that tact as it were, <laughs> you know, if I see someone that I can help and because I'm so passionate about it, that I'm going to want to jump in and help. And as you say, it can come across really strong at times. It puts some people off, but, at the end of the day, I think you've just got to do you. You've just got to be right. you. And and that's all you can bring to the table, you know, especially if, you know, like yourself, you're in a creative field and you work with creatives. I think, you know, if you're not going to be yourself in a creative space, then when can you be yourself, you know?
0: Exactly. Exactly. You, you've got to learn how to do that. Well, so my first question, because like we said, a lot of writers have this problem with confidence, Um, why do you think so many of us do struggle with confidence, especially in the writing world? You know, they could be at the top of their field, whatever it may be, but still struggle to think that they can write or even if they're not at the top, but they may have more experience than someone else. What is our confidence issue coming from?
1: So that is a great question. And, um, My view on confidence is that we just look at confidence the wrong way. Uh, A lot of people are always seeking to have more confidence as if it's this elusive thing that you must have in order to achieve something. Mm -hmm. Um, When the reality is, you know, if, if we look back on, you know, whether it be myself or you or your listeners, if anyone is to look back on things that they've achieved in their life, You'll realize that you'll have achieved really amazing things when you did not feel confident at all in the moment. Right. Because we look at confidence as this magic pill we need to before we do something, when reality is that we only get confident from doing. Exactly. So the confidence comes from doing something, you know. And here is the key, and this is where I think most people get paralyzed. It comes from the doing because you must make mistakes right and a lot of people do not like to make mistakes Mm -hmm. because they, they have told themselves or other people have told them that making a mistake is bad or that you are defined by your mistakes but once again that that is not real if we live in a world where we are defined by our mistakes then of course you know we'll never achieve anything because Will constantly be fearful of making that mistake however you know we need to start adopting this idea of it's okay to make mistakes because no, that's no. how I'm gonna grow that's how I'm gonna you know get confident you, you you know you don't write your your bestseller or as soon as you pick up a pen and paper like you have to make a lot of mistakes along the yes. way to start yeah. getting comfort confident <laughs> you know. And so the the same is true of anything. When it comes to confidence, it's just shifting our perspective on it, you know, rather than saying, okay, I can't do this until I'm confident saying, okay, do you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a mistake and be okay with it because that will then give me the confidence to do better next time.
0: Right, right.
1: So that's kind of my view on confidence. Yeah.
0: And I and I get that because when I first started out working with people, coaching them on their books, I did not have the same amount of confidence then as I do now because I've been doing this for three years and I have seen the results that people have had. You know, all I had at first was my own experience of what I had done as a writer and how it had worked for me and my process. And I didn't have you know anybody else who had I've worked with yet and the more I work with people the more confidence I gain every time and you know and, and if they're even a little more challenging that makes it even more fun for me because it's like okay let's see how I can help this one <laughs> you know and so that is I see that it's so true and the same thing even with writing I started off blogging in 2010 And when I felt the call to write and I didn't know squat from diddly about websites and writing and, you know, anything. And I started just absorbing all the information and going to conferences and watching what other people were doing. You know, I watched a lot of different um, what I call influencers in the, the writing arena to see what they were doing and how they did things and which ones I liked to emulate in a good way. But the more I wrote on my blog and the more discerning I became, the more my confidence grew as a writer too. And the more you have people going, oh, that touched me or that I, I really resonated with that or thank you for that. You know, when you touch someone's life that that, that your confidence just goes to the roof. So most of my writers are writing to help people in one form or another, whether it's um, high-performance coaching or spiritually or just sharing hurts, you know, sharing stories. Um, one of my books that you can see back here is Just See Me. It's about stories about um, families with dementia patients and how their lives change with dementia. Um, writing those stories really was impactful in a way of seeing how, you know, I need to treasure people as they are, not as I think they should be, not as what I'd hoped they would be, but what they are right now, you know, so that was wonderful, you know, experience doing that. So that's been the joy of each client has brought different things to the table that I've learned from too. And so, and then they start to, their confidence grows as well, because then they start to write better using techniques that I teach them. And that's always fun, too, to watch. them Because, like, the lady with the stories, her first story was horrible compared to the last story she wrote. Because we had, she had grown learning through each story. And so her confidence grew, too. And that's always fun. I love Helping my clients and watching them grow, so definitely,
1: absolutely, confidence,
0: confidence is key. So, another one that many of us in many professions, but especially in the writers' profession, uh, how do we overcome fear and doubt? Can we overcome it, or is it just something we have to
1: live with? So, you can absolutely overcome it, um, and there's several ways. Uh, I just wanted to add one thing just to the confidence thing, because it kind of just came to me. And, um, this was something that one of my mentors, um, kind of said on a course that I did with him and it really stuck with me. And it was, he said, the first time that you do anything will be the worst that you will ever be at it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's so true.
0: Right.
1: And it's so true. You know, the first time you do anything, that is the worst you will ever be at it. So when you're thinking, oh, I need to be confident in order to write this straight up or to do whatever it is you want to do. You need to shift your perspective into thinking, if if this is your first time, then just accept that it's going to be your worst time. If it is not your first time, accept that it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them. Right, That's the key right um so yeah that's on that point so back to the fear so you you said fear and doubt right yeah yeah okay so yes you can absolutely overcome fear and doubt now we need to first sort of define um or understand fear because fear is so fear like any other emotion is a very natural emotion they are healthy all our emotions are healthy they are naturally occurring And we need to experience them. They serve a purpose. They help us. So fear serves a purpose of protecting us. Right. Right. However, we have also conditioned ourselves through our environment, through life, to be fearful of things which are not real or fearful of things that actually pose no threat or danger to us. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you need to do when it comes to fear doubt, worry, is you need to establish and define what are you fearful of. The reason I say that is because a lot of people, they sort of um, see it as an easy way out and they'll just say, oh, I'm afraid of the unknown. Very common uh, excuse I hear from entrepreneurs or creatives or many people is, I'm afraid of doing this because I'm afraid of the unknown. I'm afraid of what might happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: when you when we say, uh, does this happen at all first in the writers? World? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm
0: oh, definitely because uh, and just like one lady I'm working with right now, sharing a personal story that's very deeply, you know, ingrained in her and traumatic. And there's always this fear of, am I sharing right? Am I sharing too much? You know, is this the best way to share it? And she's kind of going through that right now. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have to be part therapist (laughs) sometimes, helping people share their stories because it is powerful, and someone it can help someone else. But you've Mm -hmm. got to be able to be exposed, you know, enough to share it and vulnerable enough, and that's that can be a scary. Thing because you know how is my family going to react? How are my friends going to react? That may or may not know this happened to me. You know that's that's always another fear that comes up.
1: But then, so that's exactly the point. So that's what I mean that you need to then determine what is the fear actually about. Am I afraid of taking this action because of if I do this, then certain people may look at me differently, or if I do this then my family might respond to me differently, or they may even disown me, which is a bit extreme, but it can happen. So the point is when you define the fear, then you set it into a, you set boundaries to it. And as long as you have boundaries to anything, then you can begin to work on eliminating it. Now, the way that you work on eliminating it is, so let's say this lady, for example, let's take her that you're working with. So she is afraid of sharing her story because she does not know or is fearful of how people will perceive her or how they will respond to her. So a question that I would ask her, I I would explore with her is what is the worst case scenario? Right. Right. Because as humans, we always tend to go to the worst-case scenario anyway. So just let's ask ourselves, what is the absolute worst-case scenario of this thing that I have defined that I am fearful of? Mm -hmm. And then when you have determined for you whatever the worst-case scenario is, ask yourself, is this outcome, if it were to happen, is it something that I can live with, yes or no? Right. If the answer is no, then fine. Don't do whatever it is you're fearful of. And just, you know, change your whole strategy, your whole line of work, whatever you're working towards. If if the answer is you cannot deal with it, which hardly ever happens. Right? If yet you decide that you can do it. So you've asked yourself, what is the worst that can happen? OK, can I deal with this? Yes. Then you ask yourself, OK, what is the best possible outcome? Right. We hardly ever tend to do that. We hardly ever tend to compare the two and yet focus on the better one. So worst case scenario, this might happen. Okay, I can handle that. That's fine. So what's the best case scenario? So I can look forward to that best case scenario happening. So I can put myself in that positive uplifting state so that I can then achieve that positive thing.
0: Right. Does that
1: make sense?
0: Definitely. And it, and it, that is actually a question I ask during my discovery calls with people um, is, you know, I, I'm asking a series of questions, you know, what do they want? When do they want this book done? Why do they want to write this book? And one of the questions is, what would be the best part about having your book written and you're helping people overcome X, Y, Z, you know, whatever it is they say. And that kind of stops them in their tracks a lot of times like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. But the best part would be, you know, and a lot of times is fulfillment that a lot of people feel strongly that they need to write, but they don't feel confident enough that they can write the book themselves. And so there's this inner turmoil of I want to, but I don't know how to. And that's where Joyce comes in. (laughs) 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 And so, um, you know, it is interesting. And many times after my discovery calls, because um, one of the questions I get to is, so what has been the most valuable thing for you so far? And many of them will say, you know, I, I haven't talked this out. I didn't realize um, how important this was to me or what was stopping me, you know? And so that that's the fun part about doing those calls is letting people figure out where they're at where they really want to go and what's stopping them you know because that's another question i ask what's stopping you and they mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they answer and, and for the first some of them for the first time they're thinking about it in those terms they, it's like they know but they don't really discuss it with themselves <laughs> they, they just keep avoiding it you know I'll get to it eventually when the kids are older or when life is settled or when my mom's healthy or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that's always fun. But yeah, thinking about it from the terms of what could be the best thing about this, that's an excellent way to think about that and a way to, uh, would you consider that is uh, getting you on the path to overcoming fear when you start thinking about it, that perspective? Yes
1: absolutely yes and then the next thing you do is so so you've acknowledged that you can deal with whatever the worst is you're excited about what the best outcome is you then start implementing baby steps towards that best possible outcome Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: once you have that clarity once you have the understanding of yeah this is the best possible outcome and this is what i want then you have a framework to move towards something Right. Because when we're moving towards something, when something excites us, it creates momentum, it creates a push and a drive, and it helps us to achieve that thing. Um, it's a much stronger push than if we're moving away from something that we don't want. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's why its I always say it's important to focus on the things we want because if you focus on it, then you will be attracted towards moving in that direction to achieve it. And... Take baby steps to start with, you know. I know that for a lot of people, and I am very guilty of this, I always want to sort of hit the ground running. With whatever I do, I just want to hit the ground sprinting, you know. We want that quick instance or gratification, we want to achieve things quickly quickly, we want to grow things quickly. And the reality is that there is a time and place for taking big jumps, big steps, big action, but there is also a time and place for taking baby steps because at the end of the day it's all progress. And as long as you're moving, as long as you're taking steps, you're taking action, then it's progress. That's fine.
0: Exactly. Um one of my clients who just finished up her book a couple months ago said, you know, it took us a little over a year to finish her book, which she was not expecting it to take that long. But she was glad she did because when she got To the final chapter, it was from a totally different perspective because she had grown in that year. She was dealing with a um, divorce and she had been had um, betrayed in the marriage. And so she was dealing with a lot of emotions and anger. And that's what she was writing about. And she at the end then can write from a place of, you know, I'm not perfect and I'm not. And i I'm, you know, I know I'm in a much better place than I was, and I'm able mm. to see this through a different lens than I was a year ago, and and so, it, you know, time. And when you're talking about that, um, I think one, one, one of your things I commented on about struggle, about people don't think they should struggle, um, was that one of your things that we talked about? I think, um, possibly. Yeah. And, well, I think it may the confidence <laughs> issue. Yeah, you and I both. We probably talk so much and and, and read so much. It's like, was it you or was it you? I don't remember. <laughs> but anyways, the whole point is, it's very similar to what you're saying. If it wasn't you, um, was we have to go through those struggles to then become better and experience mm. life in a different way. And the struggles mm-hmm. aren't meant to destroy us. They're meant to bring us to a better place and yes. differently. And I always think about the butterfly and most people know this. Some people hadn't heard this in it, and it's been a few years since I heard it. But, you know, if you cut a butterfly out of the cocoon, it won't fly because it didn't struggle to get out of the cocoon.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: that's, a to me, a beautiful image of how we're created to be able to go through that struggle. And then that struggle is what helps make us stronger, which helps make our, our writing better. If you struggle with writing, if you think, oh, my goodness, there's just no way I can do it. It's like anything else. If you practice, put effort into it and try and learn some techniques that will help you make your writing something people can't put down then you will lo- you can learn that but there's always going to be a struggle to get there and even though it's a natural gift of mine it's something I have struggled with too because you want those words to be empowering you want them to be draw people in you don't want i mean anybody could vomit words on a page but that doesn't mean that they're going to make sense and they're going to help people you know You have to finesse them and make them beautiful, and that's part of what the gift I've been given has been able to help finesse people's words into a way that is much more interesting than just Sally went down the road and she Mm -hmm. had a a flat tire and da 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 da. -da, You know, we could all write that story. You know, that 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 that. But when you can tell a story in a powerful way, you know, any speaker or book that you've lit- written, I mean, listened to or read and it draws you in and you don't want to put it down. That person has taken the time to learn how to either craft well, because they've learned how to draw you in and keep you turning the page. And it's like anything else, whether you're doing sports or a surgeon or, you know, Him does anything that you want to do. If you take the time to learn to do the craft and there's going to be a struggle to get there, then it's, it's much better in the end than like you said, than at the beginning, you know, and you constantly keep learning, constantly keep getting better. Um, As Omar knows, and for my listeners, I was at a writer's conference last week and one of the ladies has written 50 something novels. And we had um, someone come in and do a workshop on the last day. And she's in there voraciously taking notes. The woman's a success. Why does she need to take notes? Because she wants to be even better. You know, that's what we all need to be doing is continually striving for better. And that doesn't mean there's perfection. Excellence and perfection are two different things. Hey, listener, I wanted to thank you today for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this podcast, and I have a little something special for you. It is my passion to guide writers on the journey of becoming a published author. Is that your dream? If you are stressed and overwhelmed or maybe discouraged with your lack of progress on your book, then check out the Four Steps Writing Plan packed with all the juicy details I teach my private clients at the rightcoach.biz you'll find the link in the description of this podcast one happy listener veronica hollingsworth says if you are contemplating writing a book run don't walk to check out joyce's awesome podcast and email list resources i'm a, so I'm perfection. a perfection perfectionist <laughs>
1: Uh, there are many, many, many perfectionists. I mean, I, I I work with a great deal of perfectionists. And, you know, and the thing is, even though you, you probably know, your listeners know, people who are perfectionists, they know there is no such thing as perfection. People still are obsessed with this idea of perfection and that if something is not perfect, then they will not let it go. You know, they will not publish it. They will not. However, you know, that we we should strive for greatness. We should strive for excellence. We should constantly be developing ourselves. I believe that the moment as humans we stop um, developing, growing, um, bettering ourselves is the moment that we truly die. You know that that is the moment that we transition when we stop um, progress in terms of developing and working ourselves. However. You know, we should always strive for excellence. Perfection just simply does not exist. If anything, unfortunately, perfection can sometimes lead to stagnation and moving backwards because people once again become so paralyzed by this idea of something is not perfect that they start to move backwards. Right. And, you know, we've got to be honest, right? So life happens to all of us. You know, we, we all experience life and, you know, there's good days, there's bad days, there's ugly days. It, it's all a part of who we are and it's, it, it crafts our story as it were, right? Right. But I do believe, I do believe that every single thing that we experience, and this, you know, may uh, trigger some people, but I do believe it, right? And so every single thing that we experience, I believe that we experience for a reason and that reason is to gain and learn something from it. Mm -hmm. that will make us stronger as we move forward, that will equip us to create a better, more beautiful life. If we learn the lessons we need to learn from it.
0: Right. Right. And and, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Beth Moore. She um, teaches Bible studies here in the States and she, as a child was molested by a relative. She's never said which one, but, through her indications, it was not her father, but it was someone in the family. And she said she came to a point when she was helping women who have been through similar things one time. She says, you know, I remember thinking, I would never want to go through that again. And I would never wish it on anybody. But in a small, strange way, she was thankful for it. So she could help these women now. You know, and that's, this, you know, same thing. It's no matter how horrific the whatever it is you've been through. And um, it there's a reason. And you there is a reason it's, it's powerful. And I don't it is know. It's powerful. Uh, Omar's over here. He can see me. I'm tearing up for those who can't see me.
1: let let, let me take this over yes so so you can have have your moment but yes it is powerful it is powerful and so so for me the biggest eye-opener when i started working one-to-one so so my work what i enjoy is one-to-one and group trainings right and one-to-one with business owners and entrepreneurs that's kind of what i do because the reason is i believe they have an impact and related to what we said before You know, if I can impact them to get over their stuff, then they can impact more people, so on and so forth. Anyway, for me, the biggest sort of slap on the face, eye-opener when I started working one-to-ones was the number of both men and women, but more so women, to be fair, Mm -hmm. that have experienced rape, you know, have been molested, have been, you know, physically abused, have been in those sorts of relationships. And... I have full respect for them because, you know, that they have experienced all these things, but they are still here, you know. They are still doing what they do, and they are still magical people. And I'm sure that, you know, there's probably quite a population of your listeners who have experienced whatever traumas and hardships they have experienced. Mm-hmm. But the key to remember is that, you know, you're still here. You're still kicking, laughing, fighting, screaming. And that means that you are more powerful than you may be giving yourself credit for.
0: Exactly.
1: And a question that a lot of people tend to ask, and I find it really strange is they'll say, well, if you were to go back in time, you know, what would you do differently? What would you change? And the reality is I would not change anything. And I don't think anyone should change anything, even if they've experienced, you know, really dark times. And, It might be rich, you know, coming from me, an outside viewer who hasn't experienced it, but I truly believe, you know, you've been through what you've been through to give you the power, to give you the tools, to give you that knowledge and understanding to go on and help other people to either, you know, get through it themselves, to avoid those situations, whatever it may be, you have experienced what you've experienced, and that has made you the beautiful person that you are today, that you are today. It has given you your flavor. It has given you your characteristic, your characteristics. It's given you you. So,
0: right. Well, and I've thought about that too because there's things that I've been through in my life, and I thought, would I really want to change them? Because then would I really be me? Because the me that I am today is because of the struggles I've been through, you know, and uh, I think I have a more compassionate heart. Than if everything had just been peachy king, you know <laughs>
1: if yeah, nothing nothing ever is all peachy, is it no you
0: know? no and and that's the thing my hardship is probably nothing compared to some other people's hardship, and some other people's hardship could be nothing to your hardship, you know it just depends on our our, our viewpoint of what we've been through, and we've all been exactly. through something. And, exactly, But like you said, it, that pain and that struggle is what I like to see, you know, like the diamond in the rough, you know, the diamond doesn't come beautiful until it's cut many, many times and then polished. And all those cuts bring out the beautiful shine of the diamond, you know, you can't do that without the cuts. So... Mm. Because then you can't see the shine. So you know, think of that way. The cuts are what make you shine. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I might have another yeah. book there, Elmar.
1: <laughs> there you go. There, there's a title. Yes. Uh
0: huh.
1: But it, it is it is absolutely true. You know, it, our, our experience of life is very subjective, mm-hmm. and a lot of people fall into this comparison. But you don't really know what the person has been through. You don't know their reality. You don't know, you know, everything that's going on with them. You haven't got the full picture in order to compare. And so this is where I think, you know, gratitude is very important, to be grateful for what you have, even to be grateful for whatever tragedies you've experienced, whatever you've experienced, because you are where you are. You are who you are because of them. Now, does this mean, because it's important to point this this out now, Does this mean that you can then use that as a crutch or an excuse to stop you from developing, growing, doing, moving forward? Absolutely not.
0: No, no. It's one thing to say. You're you're doing yourself a disservice if you do that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's one thing to say, yes, I've been through all this and this is who I am because of it, but I am now choosing to develop or work on myself so that I can better myself rather than saying, oh, well, you know, this is who I am. This is what has happened. I'm just going to lay down and accept it. They're two very, very different attitudes. And the outcome of both is poles apart.
0: Right. Well, now let's just switch, kind of segue more so than switch gears. But um, if we're having troubles with confidence and healthy mindsets, What are some ways that we can work on that?
1: So one of the best ways that um, I always recommend to people to do is kind of what I touched on there is having a, or establishing a routine and pattern into your daily life. And that routine and pattern is in the morning, have a gratitude routine Mm -hmm. where, you know, when you wake up, just take time to sit down with yourself, and be grateful for at least three to five things that you have within your life at the moment, you know? Right. So what are you grateful for, you know? Because by doing this, you begin to shift your focus, remember, onto things that you have and that you want more of. Right. So we're making that, that small change. So what are you grateful for in your life, you know, whether it be your health, your partner, your spouse, um, your siblings, your kids, your wealth, your health, whatever it may be? So every morning, what are you grateful for? Three to five things. And make this a a daily thing. Now, the second part, I enjoy more. And not many people do this, but I think it's a big game changer. And this will help with confidence. Every night before you go to bed, write down three to five things that you would like to celebrate the day with. And what I mean by that is, Say today I had, you know, one less cup of coffee, you know, (laughs) or today, for example, it could be anything. This is the beauty of it. It doesn't have to be something that's massive in order to celebrate. It could be really small things, you know. So today I did, you know, I said thank you to 10 people. You know, today I, you know, went out and went out of my way to help someone change a tire, whatever it may be. It's just, once again, conditioning your mind to start celebrating each and every day. Because so many of us, we go through life just sort of on autopilot without really thinking and taking regard for how our days are flowing. And we miss out on opportunities to celebrate our mini successes.
0: Right.
1: I remember earlier I said, you know, if you're, if you're moving in baby steps, you're still moving. So by by celebrating each and every single day, three to five little things that you did in that day that you would like to celebrate and take note of, mm. you will begin then to feel more confident in yourself because you are once again focusing on things that you are achieving and doing, which makes you feel better because confidence comes from doing. Right. Okay? So for example, for, for your audience, it could be today I wrote three, pa- three pages of gibberish. You know, I'm going to celebrate that because I've been blocked for the past month. But today I'm going to celebrate that.
0: Yes. And that's what I was thinking, you know, for writers, you know, I wrote 500 words, whether it was 500 words of crap or not, it doesn't matter. You wrote 500 words, it's action moving because then tomorrow you can edit those 500 words and make them, you know, 750 words of beautiful prose, (laughs) you know, it just depends on what you're doing. But yes,
1: And then you can celebrate that you edited, you can then celebrate that you edited the words and it compounds and it then builds that confidence. Remember, this is where the baby steps comes in. You are then implementing just by simply reflecting on your day in hindsight, because things are always easier in hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. So you look back on your day, okay, what's happened today that I would like to celebrate? What have I achieved that I can celebrate? It kind of then gives you a push as well to say, okay, so I've written those 500 words today, for example. Tomorrow, I'm going to edit those 500 words, and I'm going to make them 700 words, and they're going to be beautiful. So it gives you a goal, and then after you achieve the goal, you can look back and celebrate it, and it has this compounding effect.
0: Well, and like you were saying too, it also then gives your brain something to look forward to because Mm -hmm. your brain is going to be thinking about those 500 words you wrote And when you go back to edit them, you're going to look at them a little bit different and go, oh, I could change this here. I could add that there. Mm, That sentence is no, don't need that. And you you make that progress. And then the next day, same thing happens. And if you keep doing those little baby steps, you know, 500 words a day and you want, a? are you good with math? (laughs) 50,000 words. It may take yeah. you a while, but that's all right. Let's let's do this real math real quick. Five, see fifty thousand, because a typical nonfiction book is around fifty thousand words. And if you only wrote five hundred words, that is a hundred days. So within a little over three months, you can have your first draft written. So that's that momentum you're talking about. And some yep. people never finish a book. Because they don't think about it like that. They don't think yep. hey, if I take the little baby stuff of 500 words, they think, I've got to write this book. And it's like, well, the book starts with the little pieces and the little piece is 500 words a day or a thousand, whatever you can do.
1: yeah and, and once again it's that the way that we're kind of conditioned to look at things and think is we'll look back at our day and think, oh well, what have I achieved today? I haven't done anything. I wrote some, you know, 500 words of rubbish, doesn't even count. Well, actually, no, let's change the perspective on that because at the end of the day, we are meaning-creating machines. That's that's what we are as humans. We give meaning to everything. Nothing has meaning until we process it and give it meaning. So this is our opportunity at the end of every day to sit down and say, okay, what meaning am I choosing to give this day that will help me to move forward? Right. So three three to five things that you want to celebrate at the end of the day. When you combine this gratitude in the morning and then the celebration in the evening with time, because as with anything, it takes time. The compounding effect that you will see will be phenomenal because s- soon it will start to be on autopilot. It will right. just become an automatic thing that you do and you'll start. your mind will start searching for those things to celebrate
0: mm-hmm.
1: because you've shifted your focus.
0: Exactly. And you'll be looking for things that um, you're grateful for as well. I mean, that, you know, I mean, I know that I, this is a practice I've done for a long time, too. And every now and then, because if you've ever had a cold shower, you know to be thankful for hot water. <laughs> um, I Last week, I, it took me about 15 minutes to realize that the hot and cold were reversed. And I couldn't get in that cold water. I kept trying. I'm like, it's too cold. And finally, I found that hot water. And I was like, woohoo. <laughs> you know? So the little things, like you said, to be grateful for. But when you start writing, when you start doing things, your mind can be trained or retrained to look for what the information you need. So if you're writing about something, you're going to start noticing articles and memes and different things about your topic, because they're going to start coming to your forefront. Your brain's going to be yes. looking for them, and yes. that—that's the beauty of it. That your brain is trainable. You know.
1: Yes. I, yes. I love that. Yes. Absolutely. And I, and I'll tell you and I'll tell your listeners one more thing. So this is a really good sort of um, hack, if you like, or technique or for confidence for boosting just general mood so our minds cannot really differentiate between what is real and what is lived right right? or what is remembered
0: Mm -hmm. so
1: our minds can't differentiate between what we're actually experiencing and what we're remembering and that is the reason that people who dwell on their past who people who dwell on negative events from their past will be in a very low negative mood because in their mind, it's almost as if they are constantly reliving it. Mm -hmm. Now, in knowing this, we can then hijack the system and make it work in our favor. So another exercise that, and I do this personally on a daily basis, first thing in the morning is I put myself into a strong, high, positive state. Now, the state is how you are feeling. You do this by simply... Closing your eyes and remembering a specific time you felt confident, happy, powerful, in love. Any state which is quite strong and empowering to you, mm-hmm. you remember a specific time that you felt that feeling. Right. You then, with your eyes closed, you go back and relive that time, relive that memory the key is to relive it as if you're living it from your own perspective so you go back to the memory float into your body and relive that memory as if you're seeing it again for the very first time Mm -hmm. when you do this you then put yourself in that state in that way that you were feeling at that time You, you change your body posture you change how you're breathing everything and it automatically shifts the state you're in and it's very very powerful for confidence
0: Yes. What and um, one other thing I've learned recently from um, do you, you know who Brenda Burchard is, right? Mm-hmm. One thing I read in his book recently about um, thinking about your day like that, starting a your day, so you could do the positive thing, like you're talking about, thinking about the, the happy memory. But he also envisions himself going throughout his day. Okay. You, you know, like today, I knew that I had this interview with you and I had other things that I needed to do. And I visualized myself getting those things done and how I would look and how I'd feel doing those things. And it actually then gives your brain something to look forward to work toward and actually do. And I like that. And he said, you know, a lot of successful people do that from anywhere from five to 10 minutes in the morning to start their day. And I think that would be great segue from, Here's my happy place to, okay, now let me think about these things that I'm going to do today and how am I going to respond to them and how am I going to feel and be in those moments? And I feel like then it's easier to be in the moment because Mm -hmm. you've already kind of been there, you know, in your mind. And so that's, that's an excellent technique. I like that and the use of both of those. Um, so tell us, what words of advice, encouragement do you have for writers who may be struggling with this, writing a book due to doubt, fear, and confidence, and and that fear may be kind of like we talked about, some of what they've been through and what they want to write about can be tough to you know, and could be triggering to write about. What's some encouragement you have for them?
1: So what I would say is, you know, we all – want to help one another and i'm guessing that the reason you want to write a book is because you want to add value and purpose to other people you know so your message needs to be heard you are doing yourself and you're doing others a disservice by keeping it in because actually your story as difficult as traumatic as it may be might be the lifesaver that someone else needs and so you keeping it in is actually a disservice to other people because your story could potentially save someone's life. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it and I've heard it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Now, with the overwhelm, with the worry, with the doubt, as we said, just break it down into bite-sized chunks. Break it down day by day. As you, as you said, Joyce, you know, if you write down 500 words of noise today, You know, you've still done something. Yesterday you had a a blank sheet of paper. Today you got 500 words. Tomorrow you'll have 700 words which sound and look a bit prettier and just break it down day by day Mm -hmm. so that it's easier to bite-sized chunks. Now, that is my suggestion. Also, do not necessarily feel that you are on your own. You know, there are people who will help you. There are people that you can reach out to and guide you because a lot of times I hear people say, I'm completely on my own. You know, I'm afraid of facing these demons because I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. But the reality is help is there. Reach out. If you're struggling to put words to paper, if you're struggling to get your story out, reach out. Right. So exactly. You know, you, you have Joyce, reach out to her. This is what she does. You know, if you're struggling to, to face your demons, there is help out there. Reach out to people who will listen to you, guide you, and help you to overcome whatever you are facing because nothing is a life sentence. No. Right? And so, if anything, takeaways are, yes, get your story out because it can save someone's life. And you do not have to do it alone. Right. Do not struggle in silence and reach out if you need the help. And the final thing I would say is remember, because I know for a lot of people this idea of feeling not enough or not good enough, know that I believe in you. Joyce believes in you. You are incredible. You have magic within you. You just need some guidance or some time to get it out. Mm -hmm. But do yourself a favor and others and let it out.
0: Definitely. Well, I appreciate that, Omar. That is excellent points, and so glad I had you on here today. I know that it's going to help so many people. Um, this is a little bit different than what I normally talk about, but it's perfect because there's so many writers I know who have this problem, and so it's been wonderful to talk with you. And hopefully, this will help many, many people um, around the world overcome their fears of writing and. You know this could help with them with their personal lives as well, because it's all intertwined. You know your your personal and your professional. They if your personal life's a mess, it's hard for your professional life to be in a great state, and so and, and vice versa. So it helps both of them to get better. So thank you for being here, and uh, we will have all your contact info in the show notes. So if anybody wants to contact you and stay in touch with you, um, he shares some Facebook lives which are really good and some other really good content on his Facebook page. So I would definitely tell you to follow Omar because that's part of where he and I have had some interesting discussions about his his topics because they are they are good. They're very thought provoking. They're deep, but not like so like. Um, what do you call it, deep that you, you know, nobody understands what you're saying kind of deep. (laughs) They're very (laughs) practical, but it's talking about more of the deep inner self versus the rah-rah that you hear from a lot of other places. You know, you can do it and you can, in 90 days, you can have your book done. (laughs) (laughs) And that may be true on some levels, but Hey, you've got, you've still got the work to do. So, well, thank you again, Omar, and
1: we'll appreciate Thank you, it. Joyce. Thank you for having me. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure.
0: Wonderful. And you, you have a wonderful day.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: This episode is sponsored by How to Build Your Audience on Twitter with Keith Keller and the Write Coach team. If you're writing a book, the time to grow your audience is now before, during, and after you write your book. Don't make the mistake I did and wait till you're finished writing. It's too late. Or you'll need to delay releasing your book to grow your audience. Learn the four easy and actionable strategies on how to grow your audience. Use the discount code for you to receive $10 off and learn more at the link in the show notes.
1: Joining us on this episode of The Right Hour. Our goal is to help you achieve your writing dreams.
0: You are one step closer to write your book.
1: Learn how to get the book out of your head with the four steps we teach our clients. Sign up for the free email series at therightcoach.biz. The link is in the show notes.
0: The four steps help you clarify your focus, create and organize your content, and complete your book. We share tips on the writing process and you can download the writing planner to track your progress. Don't let fear and overwhelm keep you from writing your book. It's time to write your book.